You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. All right. Well, I'm excited to teach on Wednesday. The projects have been fun, but I'm kind of, I was, I was definitely, oh, so glad the Lord said, you probably don't need to try to have a project day you're having a board meeting, because he also knew what weather was waiting for us. <laughs> it's, praise you, God, <laughs> because I did not want to work in that. I'm not equipped for that yet. I'm, I've not gotten mentally ready to deal with this kind of weather. Um, <clears throat> but just to update, quick update on those projects. They've been going great. We're, we're cleaning some lots, and we've done some miscellaneous stuff around. we uh, built Miss Vita a new set of stairs. We moved a carport across town, uh, cleaned a lot, and we're working on getting our signs, the scripture signs that have been around, and then our first Baptist sign, we're getting all that down, getting it cleaned up, getting it repainted, fresh logo, all that stuff, getting the scripture put back on there. Some of the scriptures will change. Most of them will stay the same. But we're going to put that scripture on there with stencils, uh, real clean, uh, a little bit easier to read when you're driving by it at 75 miles an hour. So it'll be good. So we're really excited about that uh, <clears throat> and getting all that stuff going. There are a lot of projects yet to be tackled. That will be a, We're getting to the uh, need more time than a Wednesday night. Projects will be there pretty quick, so that's exciting. Um, but anyways, tonight, I'm a, I'm a millennial. And so I have social media. I use it. I get on. I don't use it very much. And I kind of switch. I get tired of an app and I'll just delete it. And I'll start using something else. But something that I have consistently seen is how normal anxiety among not just millennials, but how normal anxiety amongst this Generation Z, these younger kids that are in school right now, That is a societal norm now to deal with anxiety or depression in some way, shape, or form. It's just acceptable. And it's just, it's expected that you will deal with it. And that is shocking to me. Because it is is now normal for most kids to take some kind of anxiety or depression medication. That is a normal thing. A normal thing in this day and age, and some of it's not shocking, but at the same time, it's very shocking. Because it's just something that's kind of crept in. It's not something that we saw just kind of come in gradually. It's something that all of a sudden, overnight, everyone was dealing with it. And so, just, I've been sitting with the Lord, and it breaks my heart, because I'm seeing these people that I know. I'm seeing these people that are my age that struggle with something. I'm just like, why is this what you struggle with? And I saw it in my brother, and this is a beautiful example. I I know two people. um, One of them's my brother, so I know him very well. I know his story very well. And the other one is a good friend, uh, a a little brother of a good friend. Know them very well. And obviously not as well as my own brother, but I've gotten to see their stories, and I've gotten to see the difference. I've gotten to see my brother who doesn't live with that anymore, but who struggled with it from a young age doesn't live with it anymore. And one that still does. It's on all the medication. 
What's the difference there? So that's what I want to talk about. I'm going to have to look in my notes quite a bit tonight, so forgive me for that. Um, But it just got me to this question of why. Nowadays, they have all of this information being thrown at them. And what we, we live in a beautiful time and also a very scary time because what is so desired in our society is truth. But what happens when you pursue truth in the soul? What happens to truth? Because truth is a person. Truth is Jesus. He created it. He is truth. But what happens when you pursue truth in the soul? You begin to search for relative truth. And now we've got this terminology of, this is my truth. So this is true for me, but it's not true for you. So it's actually not true at all. So in this pursuit of truth, we've come to this conclusion that, well, we're not really finding truth because at the same time that we're pursuing truth, we're also saying, I'm pursuing truth, but I do not want God. We have, we have this group of people that absolutely reject everything about God. And a lot of it for legitimate reasons, and we'll get to that in just a second, but there's so much information getting thrown at these generations. Like, you can be whatever I, gender you want to be. You are your own. But see, that's the thing. In the, in the spirit, are you your own identity? Hold on. Let, in the spirit... Are you your own identity? Do you have your own identity? Right. Right. In the soul, we're, we're not different. In, in the soul, in the body, in the flesh, we're just flesh beings. We're not any different. In the spirit is where we have our specific identity. But in pursuing truth, absent the man of truth, when you're searching for relative truth, you're searching for truth in the soul and you're trying to find identity, you start to create these things. And so now we have, instead of, and who would have ever thought we would live in the day where there could be more than, one, more than two genders? Explain that to me scientifically. You can't. But that doesn't matter because it's relative truth. It's not truth, the person It's relative truth. What's true for me based on how I feel right now? And that's the thing about pursuing anything in the soul. It's guided by your mind, will, and your emotions. Do emotions change? Yeah. So if your identity and the purpose for your being is tied to your emotions, how can that ever stay the same? It can't. When it's anchored to something that is constantly changing. It's something that can constantly constantly be influenced. We talked about this two weeks ago. Money buys happiness. We've all experienced it, right? I bet you bought that new shirt and you felt happy. Like, this shirt is sweet. I'd go out and buy a new shirt. This is awesome. I buy a, a new thing that goes boom, boom. New pew, pew. I'm very happy. I, I'm ecstatic. But does that happiness last? No. So I got to go buy something else. Happiness is fleeting. Joy is all sustaining, but joy is a fruit of the spirit. Happiness is an emotion. It's an emotional response to something. 
And so we've got a generation of people that are pursuing relative truth and being told by an older generation, their parents, to pursue this. You can be whatever you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do. You, you're, no, you don't have to be a male. You don't have to be a female. You can be anything. You can associate yourself with anything. And so in the pursuit of that, in the spirit, something that was of God, that you are a specific identity. You are a specific piece of the Father's heart. I have a specific name that the Father gave me, which is tied to my purpose. And in knowing that name, I know my purpose. So I have direction. But in the soul, searching for relative truth, there is no direction. Because again, it's anchored to something that's always changing. Not constant, not the same. And so what we've done, and the Lord said, I'm removing gray. It's going to be black and white. I'm removing the gray areas. And he started with us in the church. Because guess who started discovering the gray and fueling the gray areas? We did. Because we took truth about who God is and about what this book says about who I am and who he is. Said, I don't like that part as much. I'm not, no, I don't, I don't believe in that. I'm just going to believe in this part. I don't want to talk about Acts 2, verse 2, when the Spirit of God came in and and hovered above above these apostles as a tongue of fire, and then Peter led a Spirit-led message, and thousands of people were saved in a moment. I don't want to talk about that, because that same Spirit also led Stephen to be stoned to death. And Peter got crucified upside down. And Paul was imprisoned. It's like, eh, I don't want that. I don't want the Spirit. I just want, I want some of God, not all of God. I want two parts of the Trinity. I don't want the third part. So who taught the world gray? We did. We taught them. We taught them gray. We picked and we chose what we wanted. So we have a generation giving younger generations the freedom to choose every detail about themselves with absolutely no direction. You've got a generation, this is in the natural order of things. For all the way, this is in the flesh, this is written in the flesh. From an animal to us, the younger looks to the older for direction. A mama lion starts walking and that baby lion's looking at mama like, what are we doing? But it's following the direction of the mother. That is in our animal most basic instinct. Is to receive guidance and direction from older. But now we have a generation that says you can be whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. You can define yourself however you want. And they're looking at us, okay. Okay, how? I don't know. Just do it. For the sake of freedom, do it. We have taken things that are true in the spirit and we've applied them to the flesh and we are now seeing the full manifestation of these things that are meant to be in the spirit but are being operated in the soul. We're seeing the full manifestation of that fruit, fruit of the soul. For freedom he has set us free. And so in the soul we're saying, I'm free so I can do whatever the heck I want. That's not what it was meant for. That's not what freedom was meant for. Freedom was meant so that you could choose his will over your own. That you had the choice to stay in the backyard or to leave it. But in then choosing 
the will of God, you experience true freedom. If I have a remote control car and I throw it in the water and it doesn't work, it is not operating the way it was meant to operate. So therefore, it is not experiencing freedom because that's not what it was created for. If I put it on a dirt track and start going to town, it's experiencing full freedom because that's what it was created for. A shovel is meant to do a single job better than any other tool. That's what it was made to do. But if I use it for other things, I won't experience the full benefit of using it. Like if I want to beat nails into a board and I start using a shovel, will it be effective? Sure, it'll get the job done. Will it get the job done well? No, because that's not what it was created for. So is that shovel experiencing freedom? No, because its freedom is tied to its purpose. But without purpose, we can't experience freedom. Without, and we can't have purpose until we have direction. But because we're pursuing these things as a society in the soul, we're absent all of that. And so we've just started to fuel and build and paint gray areas. That's why the Lord has been so specific in saying, I am specifically removing the gray. And we're seeing now the full fruit of the gray. And we're seeing at the same time a group of people recognize that like, this can't be it. This can't be it. But we're also at the same time seeing a group of people that are like, well, I just got to push into this gray area harder. I got to pursue it more. But it's also because there's a church that's not removed the gray yet. There's still churches that are still like, man, and I've experienced it at churches that are not far from here. I'm like, you, you are fueling gray. Because you, you recognize what's wrong, but you are not recognizing what the solution is. How can the solution for, for what is wrong and everything that is wrong that has been created in the soul, how can the solution for it be found in the soul? It can't. It needs a spiritual answer. If it needs a spiritual answer, who does it need? It needs the one that searches the heart of God, that knows the heart of God, that no man knows, that we were freely given. That Jesus actually, he didn't die so that you could get to heaven. He died so that you could have heaven here on earth, that you could have full access to it now, not so that you could someday die and go there. You can have heaven now. And with that comes the Spirit of God, the helper that allowed Jesus to have ministry for three years. The same helper he had, he has given to us. That is why he died, so that we could have the Spirit. But the reason he died is the one thing that we've rejected as the church. What he sent to make our life possible, and we worship this man on Sunday mornings, but we have rejected that which he died for. And that was that we would have access to the Spirit. So the church has got to change that. But again, back to anxiety. Looking at Proverbs 22, verse 6, and I'll just read this really quick. I'm sorry, I'm quick with Scripture. Um, Verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he he is old, he will not depart from it. They're not being trained in the way that they should go. They're not being told anything about the direction that they're supposed to live their life because they're pursuing freedom in the soul. Do whatever you want, man. 
Be whoever you want to be. Subscribe to whatever gender you want to be. Do whatever you want. There's a generation that is praising freedom in the soul. And in that, they have totally removed direction. They have not given any direction to the generation that's looking to them for direction. What is anxiety in its base root? It is being overwhelmed with the circumstances around you. That is anxiety. That is the definition of it. You are overwhelmed with stress. You're overwhelmed with certain circumstances that are going on. Overwhelmed with the loss of a loved one. You're overwhelmed. And it's all crashing down on you at once. And what happens when it keeps getting crashed down on you, you get no relief. Depression sets in. What can I do? Because now you're defeated. Anxiety is a precursor for defeat. You're already on your knees, but you're not yet fully on the ground. But that's what anxiety is. It's a complete overwhelm, completely overwhelmed by the circumstances. And so I've looked at these two men, my brother and uh, my, my friend's brother. And I know the day that everything changed for my little brother. And that is when he found out who God had called him to be. Because in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This generation has no direction, and then they have no place to turn, because the people they're supposed to be able to turn to have no answer for them. They have no place to turn. So they are completely left to deal with their situations. Even Peter, when he was sinking in the water, had a place to turn. He had a place to turn. So now imagine sinking in water in the midst of a hurricane on the sea and looking around and being alone. That's what we have now. We have a generation that is sinking in the wind and the waves and they're looking around. They are totally by themselves. They have no place to turn. This verse, the key in this verse, we we talk about the peace and we talk about accessing the peace and that's a beautiful thing. But we don't talk about the simple fact that it says, in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. They have a place to go. They have a venue for which they are to to travel to a destination. You have a place to turn. If you are anxious, begin to be thankful as you cast your anxieties onto the Lord. And that's the next verse is 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. We have a place to turn. As children of God, us operating in the spirit, we have a place to turn so we do not struggle with anxiety. My brother received freedom, full freedom from his anxiety when he found out who God had called him to be. He had direction. He had purpose. He had a place to turn. And in that, there was no more anxiety. And this kid, I'm not kidding you, has thrived ever since. Just thrived it's insane but this kid knows who the Lord has created him to be 
He's operating in it. And anxiety has, I'm telling you, anxiety would keep him in his bedroom. He couldn't leave. Terrified. Terrified. But we have a generation that's been left out in the cold with no direction and no place to turn. They have no idea who they are and no idea what they were made for. So what do we do? We few that, that know the truth, that know our identity, who have eyes to see and ears to hear because of the Spirit of God that dwells in us, that right there is the answer. Use your eyes to see and your ears to hear. We see and we hear who the people around us are called to be and we speak into it. It's that simple. It is that simple. I had a conversation with the football team um, yesterday, actually. I've, I get to go at home games. I get to pray with them still. I'm still the team chaplain. I just don't travel with them anymore. So grateful for that. So cool that I still get to do that. But on Tuesdays, uh, last year, I started speaking to them on Tuesdays before practice. And I was their coach at that time. And now I, I get to still speak to them, uh, but in a different place. But I'm looking at kids that I've had since they were sixth graders. And I'm looking at kids that I've coached since they were eighth graders. And now they're juniors. And these kids are different. They are different than they were in eighth grade. And I'm telling you, this is not a brag on myself. This is something the Lord made sure that I would do. And he had a stern conversation with me. I could take you to where I was standing in the, you know, the garage door of the field house that faces the football field. You can see it when you drive by. I was standing there in that doorway on the east side of that, or on the west side of that doorway, waiting for those kids to come running in, those junior high kids. And I had been told all kinds of things about how horrible this group was. Because this was the reject group. Kids that weren't good enough to play basketball. And they're, they're failing their classes and all this stuff. It's like, do whatever you want, was what I was told. Make them walk the track. We really don't care. They're not going to do anything for you. All right. And now, you got, you got to understand, this was... They were not wrong about what they are saying about this group. That, every day before... That was the testimony of this group. And the Lord said right there as I was standing there waiting for him, he says, you believe none of that. He says, you believe what I show you about them. I mean, it, it felt like I was getting the military dad five finger point to the chest in that moment. And I realized I was standing on the verge of a moment that was going to make or break a group of kids. And so I started believing about these kids who the Lord was showing me that they were. And not, not specific things always, a lot of just general things. Like, I love them, and I want the best for them. It's like, okay, God, then why should I want any less for them? And I'm telling you, these kids are studs now. They are just, they are good kids. And they're still knuckleheads, like, don't get me wrong, these are boys in high school. So they're not without their normal stupid stuff that they do. That they are a different group of kids. They are a different group of kids. But it was that simple. And I know that you in this room know what it is to see who the Lord has called someone to be and begin to only look at them 
through those eyes and see them rise to that. We've seen it. I've experienced it over and over again. Even over my son, who's four. But the Lord says he is a guardian of my promises. Like, I will only believe that about him. He will not waver when we ask the Lord for something or we pray to the Lord. He is going to give it. He won't even ask. He just begins to thank the Lord for already giving it because he understands that the Lord knows the desires of our heart. And so he just praises God for already being faithful to do what he said he would do and give us the desires of his heart because we exist in the will of God and those desires are a reflection of God's desires. And so he just thanks God for it. Like you're four. You're not supposed to be teaching me this stuff that deep in your car seat. I mean, golly, he's buckled in back there with his sippy cup. He's teaching me about the Lord. (laughs) Deep and prophetic things from a four-year-old's mouth. But that's how simple it is. Because he's only known direction and purpose. And he's always had a place to turn. And he's surrounded by people. There's not a person in this room that if he were to walk in would think anything negatively of him. I know that. We exist in a church that will only ever speak into who God has called these kids to be. that's That's what this place is. And Randy taught us that and showed us that several times when he said, you'd pick up these kids and you'd begin to speak to them. What negative thing would you say about them? There's not a negative thing that could come out of our mouths. And we are imperfect. And now we have this perfect father with this perfect Holy Spirit that dwells in us, speaking to us about his children around us. And we get to believe those things and we get to speak those things over them. That they're no longer looking around, sinking in the wind and the waves with no one in sight, but they see us because we're there as Jesus was for Peter. Continuing to speak into who he was because Jesus knew that Peter would receive the Holy Spirit and then he would be a force that you could not stop. And he would be one of the key weapons in bringing about the New Testament because he would provide an opportunity for Paul. Because if there was not a new church, there's no need to persecute Christians because they don't exist. And then Saul's not ever on the road to Damascus and he never encounters Jesus. And Ananias is never told to go. But because Peter received the Spirit and he gave a sermon, by the Spirit's utterance, the church was born. In a single chapter of Scripture, we went from no church and no spirit in the world to spirit of God dwelling in the world and in his people and the church exists. And Jesus knew that when he reached out his hand to pull him out. That's what it is to run to the prodigal sons and daughters seeking to return home. That's what it is. But we are dealing with a generation that so struggles with anxiety, so struggles with depression because they have no direction and they have no place to turn. But what does it mean to be hope to our community? We are the place to turn. When they are looking around, scared for their life, they see us. As they would a lighthouse in the middle of the sea. A place of solid foundation, a place, excuse me, a place of hope. And a place they 
know life awaits them. So that's, that's what the Lord has been showing me about anxiety. That's what he's been showing me. He's been, there are so many big things that he has for this church. And I believe absolutely freeing a generation from anxiety and depression is one of those things that he has for this church and the people that meet here. That's a big thing. But I'm saying, and we were just talking about it in the board meeting, that a generation would rise up and they wouldn't come up here and give testimony of a moment where they overcame all the darkness that was in their life. But they would rather speak of, I've known the spirit of God since I was an infant. I've had dreams and I've known the Father since before I could speak the words to describe them. I didn't know those words yet, but I knew the Father intimately. It's one of the prayers I pray over my kids, that when they grow up to be my age, they would have memories with God, intimate memories with God from when they were two years old. That's what he wants for his children. That's so within the heart of God. Not for us to live like most of us have through these hard and difficult times and having to hit rock bottom to finally see God for who he is and who we are in him. I know I had to hit rock bottom. And I'll get up there and I'll share that testimony and people will be like, man, that's a Christian right there. Because he did a bunch of bad stuff and now he's a good person. It's like, we have worshipped that. We have worshipped the really difficult testimonies. But man, I want to see a generation of victory that only knows victory. Has only ever lived in victory. We get to be a part of that. There's a generation now growing in anxiety and depression that we get to bring freedom to. And guess what? They're going to have kids someday. And then that anxiety will not exist in those children because their parents have overcome it because there stood a group of people that knew who the Lord called them to be and believed only that, that gave them direction and a place to turn and showed them their purpose. And now these people, these millennials, these generations, these walked in that and now they're having kids that will only ever know how to walk in that. And when they're met with the many questions that they'll face in life, there's a generation of people standing there with them with an answer and direction. And that's what this generation now needs and that's what we, the fourth pillar, get to be. We get to be the, the place where they receive direction we get to be the people that show them who to turn to. And we get to be the people that introduce them to their purpose. And that's how we cure anxiety. There's no pill. There's no amount of counseling sessions that we need to worry about. It's just simple truth that's existed in the heart of God since the beginning of time. And it's been there readily available for us since the beginning of time. But we've got to stop operating in this stuff in the soul. We've got to operate it in the spirit. That's the only reason we have the gray. Gray is only allowed to exist when you take what is of God and you start to use it in the soul. And you corrupt it in the soul. That produces gray. And we're seeing the fruit of it. So clearly. People aren't hiding it anymore. They're not hiding it. They're making a joke about it. They're openly and comfortably talking about how they deal with anxiety and they just take medicine. They've been on it for 12 years. It's just the way it is. It's just like going to get a cup of coffee. It's just something you do. 
But we, operating in the Spirit, get to be the ones that bring freedom to that. And I'm saying a generation can be freed from it because the fourth pillar supported the movement of God that was going to bring that freedom. True freedom. Direction, a place to turn and purpose. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.